everyone, this is Will, and welcome to this brand new and exciting episode of The Missing Piece. If you follow the news closely, that the entire world is still watching this ongoing war in Ukraine, on one hand, many countries are standing at the crossroads in terms of advocating the ending of the war and also trying to bring or trying to understand this logistics behind Vladimir Putin. But meanwhile, that on social media, and this conversation is getting more populated, not just about this political change, but also about some significant figures. So that's why today it's so interesting that we need to discuss how social media, particularly in China, are making waves towards the leader of Vladimir Putin. And is there any special motive behind this social trend? Now, it's my great honor to invite Amanda Florian, and Amanda is award-winning independent journalist who reports from both Shanghai, China, and the United States. And she's fluent in English, Spanish, and Mandarin. Now, Amanda often reports on tech, culture, and China's new media scene, and now her work has appeared in CNN, Washington Post, and you name it, major media outlets. Without further ado, Amanda, welcome to The Missing Piece. Hi, thank you so much, Will, for having me. It is such an honor. It's my pleasure to uh, have you on the show. Now, Amanda, again, initially when I discovered you, because this amazing article that you wrote and entitled, Chinese TikTok users are in love with Daddy Putin. And by the way, you know, uh, many times when I just read the name Daddy Putin, oh Lord, I can, I can tell you that how strange that is to call Vladimir Putin this way. And again, this is something that you mentioned in the article. I mean, let's, if I can uh, quote that, you said, the Chinese users feel that Vladimir Putin's, it's a sensitive leader who cares deeply for the Russian people. Now, can you help us to understand what brought you to be so fascinated about this, the relationship between Chinese social media and Vladimir Putin? Yeah, absolutely. Well, a lot of my stories do focus on TikTok, they focus on Douyin, and they tend to have this international angle. And, you know, oftentimes I'm a media specialist, but I'm also you know, one of those types of people that I'm always on my phone, always on social media 24-7, not only for work, but just because I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was scrolling on Douyin the other day, and a lot of these videos started popping up on my feed. And I was like, okay, well, I think there's something that we can work with here. Mm -hmm. um, as the war in Ukraine continues to press on, as we know, Putin declared this war, this brutal invasion, obviously. Mm. And I was noticing that a lot of these videos on Douyin were promoting Russia, were promoting uh, Putin. And then I saw this trend of not only videos that glorify Putin, but a lot of comments from users on Douyin that say, you know, oh, we love Putin. We want to worship him more day by day. And for me, as a journalist, I'm thinking, okay, well, has this been reported yet? Mm. And if not, why? Mm. You know, Amanda, too often that when we think about the functions or the purposes of social media, now today, first of all, three out of 100 people are still watching TV or something we call a television. Most people are using social media to be informed or to get information. Now, the next question is, 
Do you think that is it because today that social media plays such a significant role in terms of informing and also spreading the news that so that more and more people are fascinated, especially in China, that uh, uh, about receiving information about this international crisis or international war on the social media? How how does that take place all of a sudden? Yeah, well, I definitely think that social media is one of the main ways that people get their information online. So especially young people we've seen in the U.S. particularly, I've done some research on this, some qualitative research. Mm. And in terms of China, though, on Douyin, since these apps are completely different, right? We have Douyin. This is the Chinese original version of TikTok. And then mm. we have TikTok, right? So that came later. That is a completely separate app and it's for international and u.s audiences so what you see is that both apps have completely different algorithms mm. right and you have different sets of users right so on my doyin account i can't follow users on TikTok, and vice versa so what you're getting is two completely different images mm. of the same photo right you're getting two sides of the story so on TikTok, what i noticed is that a lot of people are advocating for ukraine they're saying hey these are a lot of small businesses that you can support mm. or you can rent out an airbnb and try to support ukraine while you're in the us but now on doyin you're getting a completely different story you're having a lot of people that say we love russia we love putin mm. and it's because of the messages they're being fed. And so they're only seeing this one side of the story. They're only seeing that, wow, uh, Putin seems to be such a valiant leader is what they're saying. And it's because of the limited viewpoint that they have. They don't have an option to get both sides of the story. Now, do you think, is it because the Chinese uh, uh, limitation, or excuse me, is it because the whole uh, uh, restriction on the information? So that's why the Chinese users are getting, are not receiving factual information on Vladimir Putin. Because we know, you know, as again, as a, a, a international journalist, we see how brutal the war is. And we have uh, 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 read so much about how Vladimir Putin tenaciously like, invaded not only the people you know, in Ukraine, but also the government, you know, again, even the people within Russia are getting tired of this person. But somehow on the Chinese side, they're receiving the wrong information or their information was misleading. Is it because of restriction or it's because for the from the Chinese perspective, it's rather to let them glorify someone as Putin rather than seeing this person as a negative icon? You know, that's a great question, Will. I would say there are two parts to that. So part of it is the fact that they're not getting factual information. And I've spoken to a lot of my friends that are still in Shanghai currently that say, you know, oh, well, let's not get into that because that's too controversial. So part of it is that they don't want to get into things that are controversial just because of this negative stereotype of, oh, we can't talk about this. Oh, we shouldn't talk about that. That's a little too much hot water that we're uh, about to step into. And so that's part of the equation. The other part is that in China, the fan culture is so much different than it is in America, right? So fan culture basically allows for a person to celebrate someone and be a diehard fan of this mm. person. I mean, I've seen this firsthand. I also do use Douyin just for posting updates and for posting some news updates and sometimes mm. just some silly videos. And 
the fan culture is completely different in China because it's this type of culture that allows you to say, okay, I will do anything for you. Mm. You are basically my virtual idol, my, my idol. Um, and so I think on one token, a lot of people are looking at Putin as this figure that number one, they say is handsome. Number two, they think he's so brave for what he's doing, but it's this, this, you know, false sort of praise that they're giving him because of the fan culture that everybody has bought into. And of course, there are going to be a lot of users on Douyin who are trying to share the truth, but a lot of those people are going to be shut down, whether that's by people reporting their videos, because that happens all the time, left and right, or by Douyin's algorithm saying, hey, this video goes against our guidelines, we're shutting it down. Hmm. You know, Amanda, as you're describing this scenario for Vladimir Putin, you know, it's interestingly that if we look at social media content from the Chinese perspective, for example, two completely different people, Donald Trump, Back in the days that you know how Donald Trump started this trade war between China and the US and Donald Trump was very popular on social media sites and I mean besides his orange face and the way he talks but also about how his silliness you know again from the Chinese perspective mm. as this Chinese user myself every day that we are being fed that how Donald Trump was quote unfit to be the leader of the of the country but meanwhile, that if we look at other figure, for example, a Joe Biden, who is a sitting president, the Chinese users today are also not receiving anything positive about him either. But mainly it's about his age and mainly for, about, about his forgetfulness. So, Amanda, the question to you is, even though those information are misleading, even though those information are not completely factual, but the question to you is, why are the or why is the information still so engaging and attractive to the users? That's a great question. I think people like power. And so when they see a figure that seemingly has a lot of power, they gravitate towards mm. that. And so we've seen a lot of these videos trend on Douyin in which people elevate Putin and they take images of him. They take videos of him and they say, don't you want your boyfriend to look like this? Mm. And they take ballads, Chinese ballads, and they mix, you know, these types of videos into this KTV karaoke style uh type of video montage. And I think that the reason people do this is because Number one, when you have a few people doing this and you see that it's a trend, you kind of want to be part of something. Mm. So we've seen this multiple times on TikTok and Douyin, where you have a certain trend and a lot of people want to hop on that, even if it's premature and even if it's maybe not the right trend to hop on. We saw this with West Elm Caleb on TikTok, where a lot of girls started making videos and there was no way to fact check whether their stories were correct, whether they had actually interacted with this figure. But because of the hype, a lot of people said, I want in on this. And I think that's what we're seeing, too, with Doeen and with Putin. Well, but Amanda, I mean, again, if we follow what you just said, but it's rather dangerous for the Chinese millennials, for the Chinese youth to be fooled by the information online. I mean, you think about this again, you know, jokingly, we say that people don't watch TV today to receive information. But if social media sites were to be the future of the information platforms, but if we continue to live under this uh, a situation, we're living under this condition. 
how could people trust and rely on social media to be educated or to be well informed? I mean, given this condition, we are living in this transparent world, and nothing should be hidden away from us. So, again, from your perspective, how could the Chinese, uh, uh, again, tech companies or the Chinese government, even to handle that the information should be valid, so that and the people will continue to trust the growth of the information or the growth of the country. That's a that's a great question. I think part of it comes down to Chinese tech companies taking that responsibility for themselves, mm. and that is a question. You know, are they going to do that? Are they willing to do that? Willing to risk not everybody agreeing with them, so that people can be informed and have an authentic all around encompassing idea of what the reality is and what the actual situation is. Um, because from the comments that I saw on Douyin, a lot of people don't understand in China uh, the reality of Putin's war and the reality mm. of the atrocities that he has committed. And so I think if they did truly understand that, they would not be elevating this figure who is just this villainous creature. And there's not a good way to say that he is, you know? And I think in journalism, oftentimes we want to skip around some of those words because we're afraid of taking a side. But when it comes to the truth, you have to take the side of the truth. Mm. And that's where I always stand. Mm. Amanda, you know, uh, TikTok, it's not the only social media site in China. I mean, there are many, many more. Mm. I'm sure that because you used to live in China and right. again, you have uh, a lot of meaningful and positive friendships with the Chinese friends. Now, if we, let's say, if we look at TikTok as one way to receive information, but on the other one, which is WeChat, and WeChat is getting more populated mm. than ever. But again, according to right. my own personal account, I do have friends who are living in Ukraine or who are Ukrainian living in China, but they have been posting information, the factual ones, the how devastating the war is and how much the people are suffering. You know, we'll look at the women and the children, etc. How do you think the Chinese younger generations today to handle this conflicting or conflicted information? On one hand, Vladimir Putin is being elevated. But on the other hand, people in Ukraine are actually suffering. So don't you think at some point the Chinese millennials start to question or start to really to be more curious to say, wait a minute, some something is not right or one of the information is not right. When do you think the younger generation is going to quote, wake up to understand all this? You know, that's a great question. Well, I do think that the younger generation in China is already getting to that point. A lot of them are saying, you know, we're not going to lie down and we're not going to do nothing and we're not going to take this very passive role. So I do think that we are seeing a lot of young people at least attempt to get there. Mm. Um, of course, because of cultural differences, we're not going to see the exact same proactiveness that we are seeing with a lot of Gen Z and millennial users in the United States. However, I think because so many like Gen Z and millennial users in China are becoming interested in America, interested in Western culture, I do hope that they, you know, feel more inclined to get the mm. truth, to explore more of these actual stories, explore the facts and look at both sides and then decide for themselves. So I think they are on their way. I won't say that they're already there. But I do hope that more and more young people in China can say for themselves, you know, oh, I'm going to take a look at this new site. And I'm also going to look at this other one that has a completely different narrative. And then I'm going to decide for myself. 
You know, as we go along with the conversation, Aminda, my next question less centered regarding um, the current leader of China. I mean, again, when we look at social media sites, Ch current Chinese leader, it's also being elevated at this strong man or this superman, you know, so always say, because again, if we call Putin, it's called a uh, daddy Putin. But for mm. the Chinese leader in China, we call it Xi Dada, you know. So in other words, it's, uh, su it's such a warm and hospitable, you know, it's down to earth leader to uh, not only to the people in China, but also to the people or the Chinese people outside China. Now, my next question to you is, is it because the elevation of the Chinese leader on social media that directly influenced someone as Vladimir Putin? And given the fact that China and the Russia today are growing much closer politically and economically. Again, I don't want to get too political, but from your perspective, Amanda, how much does politics play in terms of elevating both people on social media? You know, I do think that politics plays a major role in this. Um, I would say that part of what a lot of people in China are being taught is to elevate political figures, to mm. elevate their own political figures, but also people that are outside of that spectrum, too. And so even with Trump, I would say I saw a lot of people on Douyin taking this very active stance and saying, hey, I support Trump. I really like him for dot, 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 X, Y, and Z, right? And so I think part of it is that in the Chinese culture, you do like to say, okay, this figure is um, someone that kind of we aspire to be, right? And so you don't take this active, well, I'm just going to lie on my back and do nothing um, and be lazy, right, sort of approach, Um it's this more, okay, well, we aspire to be him because mm. he has power and he has success, or at least what you think is power and success. So I won't, you know, I, I'm not a political expert in that sense, but I do think that part of that is correlated. Mm. Amina, again, when we look at the Chinese culture, again, going back to experience, your experience in China, and for years or even for decades that we know two words play a significant role in the Chinese culture. And number one, it's harmony. And number two, mm. it's the word family value, or, you know, uh, uh, well, I, I, well, I guess we call it unification value within a family. Now, coming back to social media, do you think today the social media platforms such as WeChat or TikTok, whether these social media platforms are reshaping the Chinese culture or they are creating a brand new Chinese culture, especially among the younger generations. Again, based on what you uh, uh, written before or your experience in China, how would you re uh, define the word culture in terms of relating to the social media uh, uh, platforms in China? You know, I would say that in many cases we've seen a lot of young people, a lot of millennials, a lot of Gen Z users in China try to reshape that on their own. We saw that with the recent video that went viral in Shanghai showing the realities of the lockdown. And mm. this was a certain video. Um, you've probably heard of it, but 
pretty much in the video, it was this narrative of a lot of people giving their voice to the lockdown, right? It was called Voices of the Lockdown that, right. um, or Voices of Shanghai. Right. And I think with that, we saw firsthand how so many people wanted to take an active role mm. in saying, this is the reality of the situation. And I don't care if I get blocked, but I'm going to share this news anyway. And so I was scrolling on WeChat that very day and I saw hundreds of posts. So I am hopeful that a lot of the Western social media sites can hopefully influence a lot of people in China to wake up to the realities and to wake up to the truth of the situation and to at least be open minded in exploring a lot of that. Of course, it's not going to happen in one day. It's mm. not even going to happen in one week. All of these things do take time. And so the first most important thing, I think, is that we can encourage young people, we can encourage millennials to be open minded. I definitely think that they are on that path. Mm. Amanda, I know you're very busy. I got two more questions before letting you go. Let's go back to okay. the article that you wrote. Again, you said, even though Douyin users have been eager to post their love notes online, again, they're referring to the support of Vladimir Putin or any other uh, uh, political figures. But the government official said China isn't officially taking sides. It's interesting that Chinese government is not taking side specifically on this international crisis. But meanwhile, the users are being divided on different opinions or on different, uh, again, educational background or based on the information they receive. How does that make the Chinese government look? So in other words, if the people are, are being so divided or so opinionated, but the Chinese government keep on saying, oh, we're not taking sides or hey, we're being neutral. Domestically speaking and internationally, how does that make China look in a bigger picture? In a way, I would say a lot of it comes down to culture. And you know that in Chinese culture, guanxi is very important, the mm. relation, the connection. And so China and Russia have always had, you know, there have been some ups and downs. Right. But for the most part, they've had this close connection, this close guanxi, where they've said, okay, you got my back, I got yours. Mm. And so even to this day, we're seeing Russian students are able to return to uh, cities in Shanghai or cities in China, for that matter, when a lot of foreign students are still not able to. Right. So it's kind of, you know, I would say that China, in a sense, is trying to say, well, we're not taking sides. But in reality, their actions are showing that they are taking sides in order to save that relationship, to save that connection. Mm. Amanda, I want to wrap up our conversation again, going back to the social media in China. Now, today on Douyin or on WeChat or any other social media sites, younger generations today are taking advantage of these platforms. And either they are sharing messages regarding the, what's happening in the world, or they are being more transparent about who they are, you know, about their lifestyles and, you know, their goals and purposes, etc. So again, the contents are unlimited. So from your perspective, and again, I know uh, before our interview that uh, we, we were talking about your current project and research. How do you think that the social media sites are going to help younger generations to find identities 
today. So in other words, we know that back in the days, like we're looking at the 70s or 80s, oh Lord, I mean, social media were not there. So people were looking for tribalism, right. people were looking for identity through social circles. But today, social media sites are helping younger generations to find out who they are, be the voices to the voiceless, and be the hope to the hopeless. So again, from your perspective, how do you think this trend is going to play out in the long run? Based on some of my qualitative research, I would say that social media does play a huge role in how a person online allows their identity to shift. Mm. So whether that's through trends that they're taking in and that they're seeing and then saying, I want to be part of that, or whether that's through another outlet that they're seeing on TikTok and Douyin that you know, causes them to feel the need to feel connected or to be part of something bigger than, than themselves. And specifically in my research on TikTok, I was focused on U.S. audiences, but I would be very intrigued to see how this would play out with Chinese audiences as well. I would say it should be pretty similar, just given the fact that a lot of these young audiences in China are still in tune with Instagram. They're still finding ways to use a lot of the same social sites that we use in America, mm. whether that's via a VPN or changing their location because they want to feel part of something. That's right. And so we've even seen that with a lot of Chinese internet users changing their profile pictures to Western characters or adding in famous quotes from their favorite TV shows or just having the same obsession with friends that every person in America has, right? And so I think there's definitely this connection between what people see online, what people engage in online with their persona. And so that's something I'm still exploring right now. And hopefully I'll be able to publish that research pretty soon. Well, again, Amanda, if you ever get a chance to publish that research, and we would love to have you back on the show to talk about your research and your fascination regarding the social media and the younger generations, not only in China, but also in the States. Well, Amanda Florian, it's a award-winning independent journalist who reports from both Shanghai, China, and the U.S., now, she's fluent in English, Spanish, and Mandarin, and she recently spent two and a half years conducting qualitative research on Generation Z, TikTok, and the online persona amidst the COVID-19. Amanda, it's been a pleasure speaking to you, and thank you so much for taking your time to share your insights and regarding to articles.